That's right, listeners. No music, no intro. We jump right into the podcast. This is a Flash podcast with Brent Friedland discussing nationals happening right now in Bishop, California. We talk for 10 minutes about the first three stages of the race. As a companion to this, head over to USARA.com and their excellent nationals media coverage. You'll see everything there. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you soon. Welcome back, your listeners. This is Brian Gatins of the Dark Zone podcast. It is Friday, September 16th at 6 p.m. Makes it 3 p.m. in California. Nationals is going on right now. Stage one has ended. They're on the paddle. And Brent Fadeland, our ace premier analyst, and I are doing a quick flash podcast. We're going to see what we can sneak in for the first stage and a little bit of the second with some thoughts and ideas. Um, It's been a great national so far. Fun to watch. Kudos to the organizers. Kudos to the media team. Brent, what do you see? What do you say? What do you got out there? Yeah, it's been a super exciting race so far. Um, you know, I will have to lead off my my pick for the race. Tahoe, as some people might know, uh, was not able to actually come to the race, which just for me as a dot watcher opened it up, makes it a lot more interesting. And, you know, we, we saw Tower, Team Tower, who I think I m- mentioned is my West Coast uh, dark horse team, really come out strong. And uh, they really led for most of the first stage of the race. Um, uh, I think they have slipped back a little bit, but are still basically in a, in a three-way tie for second place with uh, Bones and Bend. Um, so that was really exciting. Bones, um, some of the local favorites had a you know bit of a, a tough time on that first bike leg with a couple of nav decisions, uh, but they've recovered really nicely. So that's been uh, pretty exciting to watch. Um, Team Vert, my my dark horse for the overall was really uh, you know going out strong and then had uh, some issues with some route choice on the bike. Um, so they fell back a bit. I know they are are clawing their way back up toward the lead pack, uh, but I think they still have a little work to do to get back there. Um, and I'll also highlight um, Kuat. Yeah, Team Kuat really had a nice second half of the bike and moved up into the lead pack. Um, along with Rootstock Racing, which is super exciting to see an all-women's team um, hanging on to the lead pack of a national championship. We've never seen that before, um, and, and it's fun to see them racing well and steady. Big shout-out to Toyota Tundra, the defending champions. They they kind of started off, I think, relatively um, steady. Uh, I think Mary Chandler said that was their plan, um, and they have moved up and moved ahead and look to be uh, kind of out front. So that that's my quick hit analysis on the front of the pack, at least. And that is a spot on analysis. If the dots are to be believed and they're all sort of caught up right now, the teams are on the water on the paddle and we are looking in order. We're looking at team Toyota Tundra. Then we have that three-way tie for second with tower racing, Ben racing and bones team Kuat, and then vert um, who is a little bit behind rootstock racing. So a lot of good energy going out there. Um, as we begin to pull back a bit more, um, just about all of the, the 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 pack, the chasers, and quite honestly, Brent, if you're looking at the dots alongside me, we could call them a chase pack, but they are not that far behind. I mean, yeah. those teams are on the water and they are flying. Yeah, it's super close. I mean, uh, my impression from what I've seen and the little bit I've heard from the field, uh, you know, is that the riding was not quite as technical maybe as we had been led to believe. It sounds like it was a lot of fun. I saw a little video clip privately of the Rootstock team and said that it was just a blast, that that whole section in terms of the riding. So I think between that and the fact that the navigation has seemed to be pretty straightforward overall, 
Um, the teams are pretty bunched up, which is which is cool to see. I suspect we'll start seeing that change, you know, this evening as uh, obviously time passes, but also as fatigue starts to set in now. Definitely, definitely. And I want to give a shout out um, to as we look at that, that the chasing pack, calling some of the names that we're seeing here. We have a big bunch of teams. Strong Machine right there. Worth pointing out that Strong Machine was the out of the three American teams that were in Scotland. Strong Machine was the lead team in Scotland for the Americans. So they've clearly brought their Scottish weather skills to the desert and the heat of California. Um, looking here at recalculating is right there. Looking here at uh, the Sharif, the Sherubini brothers. Now, want to point out when you look at the dots, teams have route choice. There's pro points and there's regular points. Brent, talk a bit about that because yeah. going just by the mid pack, it's safe to say there's some point differences there. That's right. And I, I wanted to chime in on that. Um, you know, I've already had several conversations over text uh, with, um, you know, your leader, dear listeners, to, to point out that sometimes teams look like they're further ahead than they actually are. So remember, we got to remember this is a point based race, um, meaning that the thing that really matters most is the, the points and the point total. So if you're looking at the tracking map, you really want to look at that points um, total to make sure you're understanding where teams actually are. So, uh, a number of teams skipped the first two pro points on the bike right off the bat. I, I haven't done a full tally, but I would guess at least a third, uh, maybe even as much as roughly half of the field skipped those first two points. Um, and so that means that even if they are kind of hanging on to the front of the pack, they may actually be behind by a couple of checkpoints. And unless teams in front of them or around them start skipping points, they will not be able to catch up in the point total. I also think that helps explain why the field is still bunched up as much as it is, because um, we have to remember a number of teams moved forward um, and probably cut off at least an hour and maybe more of time from their race times to, to hang with the leaders. That also just reminds us of how fast the top teams in our sport are, you know, that even though a number of teams skip some checkpoints, those leaders are still out front geographically. So if we're using 520 points right now as the maximum amount of possible points that could be earned, that means that the teams have hit every single checkpoint along the way. There are 14 teams on the water that are currently at 520 points. So there's 14 teams that are full course teams, so to speak, as of right now. Um, is, that and right behind 14, that. is that 14 premier teams or 14, including the all women's and, and all male divisions? That's 14 in the co-ed and the female. I'm looking at one in the female will be rootstock. So yeah. that's 15. And in the male, I'm seeing 16, 17, 18, 18 teams. So yeah. 18 teams among all three divisions yeah. are are out there and they are currently full course teams having captured every checkpoint along the way. Um, and a lot of folks are not that far off. Um, there yeah. are some teams out there that are struggling. It, it's a, it is a difficult course, but we see a lot of teams performing really well. Yeah. Yeah. And 18 is half the field and we're going to see that number drop overnight. Um, I'm quite confident from what they've told us, you know, unless again, the, they really um, uh, overestimated how the course, right. It, it, you know, they said they expected a few teams to clear it, but I, I think they really were expecting only the top teams to clear it. Um, I'd be interested to know uh, whether the teams are on the time estimates or ahead of them or behind them. Um, I do know from talking to Rootstock last night, um, now they hadn't seen the maps yet. I think the big question is what to do once they are off the water. Um, they've got this big bike. It sounds like um, the full bike route is, I think, the impression I get is, is technical and slow. Uh, it'll also probably be into the dark, if not in the dark. 
Um, you can short course that and head to the canyon. Uh, and then the canyon is also supposed to be slow, right? I think they're saying like six hours yep. or so for either stage. And I think maybe they're worth the same value. I'm not clear, but that's what Rootstock had suggested last night to me on the phone. So it's a real question for a lot of teams. Do you stick to the full course? Do you skip the bike and go get the canyon? Do you do the bike and potentially skip the canyon if you need to at the end? I think those are the questions we're going to see at the end. And to that point, Brent, just to give some time estimates for our listeners, um, the race started. We, we are dealing in uh, East Coast time here and between Philadelphia and New Jersey, but it was an eight o'clock start out there. It is now three o'clock in the afternoon. So by my math, it's seven hours into the race. The race runs 30 hours, 30 hour race. So you're looking at you're, you're coming up on about 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 20 percent of your time has elapsed. Um, so you're 20 percent into the race. You're almost a quarter of the way there. And we, we shouldn't get fooled by the speed at which the the everyone is moving. Um, great trek, fast bike. Um, the bike was really strong. They're on the paddle now. And if you look at the race tracker, and thank you, Mark Harris of Adventure Enablers, if you look at the race tracker, the distances are not really that far. Like the amount of distance they have to travel, it looks like on a map, it's not that crazy. But when you look at the routes that they have to choose, to your point, it's going to get really hard to clear this course. And teams need to make some significant decisions going into the nighttime and how will they race overnight. Yes, I agree. You know, I, um, you know, I know that I got to, I got to find those estimates. I think those are really crucial to look at, but I think they've got, I mean, I think they've got at least a couple more hours on the water uh, and then probably an hour or two on, on that foot section. It's not yep. very long, but That's I know, correct. I know Ishai said it was technical. So I, I don't know what that means, right? How technical is that short little trek? Is it, you know, a quick hour? Is it, you have to hike the whole thing? Is it a boulder scramble for a few miles? There, there's a lot of question marks there. Um, and, and then again, I think the, the bike and the Canyon, I, I think their estimates are six hours for each section, maybe even a little longer for that yep. bike. So, you know, there's 12 more hours there. And once you get through that, you've got, uh, you know, several hours, at least more of racing. So, I mean, there could easily be 18 to 20 hours left in the race um, once they get off the water. So, you know, yeah, like if I, I don't think we're going to see more than a handful of teams cleared at the end. So it's going to get really strategic at some point in the next few hours, I think, once they get off the water. It's also you go from the water, you get on the that that technical trekking session on, on the bike. It looks like the ability to 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 cut the course, if you will, and cut out a lot of those pro points looks very attractive. Yeah. They 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 get on their bikes. If they head to the south, they pick up a whole slate of pro points um, on the bike. Uh, it looks to be a, an out and back. Roughly, it's it's a interesting on the map when you look at it. Um, and then there's a non pro point there. So. You're, we're going to see who heads south and who heads into that. Some teams may may do the math, go east, and then get to that canyon section. So we'll see what they're going to make a decision. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to dig into it. Um, the checkpoints on the canyon section marked VEP. Have you had a chance to figure out what that designation means? That I have not. I've not okay. figured that out. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a big question mark for me, for sure. So... Well, very good. Well, well, thank you, Brent, for your time. We just passed 10 minutes, which is as long as you and I could talk about a seven-hour yep. race so far. That's the, the top of our capacity. Yep. Listeners, thanks for joining us for this Flash podcast. I want to send everybody over to USARA.com. Um, this is a companion. Great media team going on over there. Um, Bill Donahue, Wild Bill's doing a lot of great stuff. Um, Jeff O'Connor, 
We're seeing Dave Gadney. There's a whole crew on the ground there. Get to their uh, their page, usara.com, follow the links and follow their analysis and follow their videos and their tracking, which is spot on. Um, thank you, Brent, for coming on. And we will talk again. Yeah, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I'll, I'll call be up you. all night. It's Nationals. Uh, Who sleeps? Very good, Brent. See you soon. Right. Bye. Later. Bye.